welcome back, my friends, to the second emotional section of this episode. So the second emotional section is on overcoming loss and the stages of grief. So we talked a little bit more about um, overcoming loss in the last uh, emotional section, just at the beginning, very quickly. We talked about the different types of losses. So we're not only talking about a loss of a loved one, but we're talking about maybe a loss of social status, um, the, the loss of maybe a limb or a body part, the ability to maintain a physical function is a loss, a job or a home, or maybe even the loss of vision. So there are all different types of losses that we can experience throughout our life. And the thing, the truth really about loss is that every person, no matter who they are, everyone at one time in their life will experience some type of loss. And so when we talk about our emotional section and we've talked about how our emotions connect us with other people, this is a way in understanding overcoming loss that we can really truly help our friends or other people around us, or even help ourselves when that time comes up in our lives where we experience loss. So we're going to be looking at a few different items here with overcoming loss. The first one is the stages of grief and understanding the stages of grief. Because when we understand these sections or these stages, it helps us know, number one, where the person is at, where we're at personally, or where our friends are at in their stages and help them be able to come through those stages. Some stages shouldn't really last very long. And if they do, then there's going to be a lot of problems with depression and anxiety and things like that that come up in their life because they're dwelling on those thoughts for a long, longer period of time than they should. However, there are er other areas that it may take six or seven or eight years. It just depends on the person. And so in understanding these different stages, then we can help make sure that our friends or ourselves are still mentally healthy as they go through these grieving processes. So as we look through the process of grief, we're going to first look at shock and disbelief. Shock and disbelief is the first stage so this is when the events really seem unreal and there's a feeling of numbness. There's denial of loss and a lot of crying, anger, screaming. This is the shock and dis disbelief stage. And it really should not last for an incredibly long time. Um, also, we and, and we should be able to move into stage two of grief fairly quickly. If, if this person that you love is still in the shock and disbelief state after two to three weeks, then there, there really can be ways that you can help them be able to overcome that or, or go through that stage so they can move on to the next stage of grief, which is more of the healthy stage as you're developing awareness of what's just happened. So, um, the preoccupation with loss, what, what's happening with that, the anxiety and the restlessness, the difficulty of sleeping can occur um, during this stage. 
But characteristics of stage two also can include a loss of appetite and digestive issues. It can definitely include anger and guilt. A lot of times we feel um, that guilt of that loss. Maybe if I could have done this, then this wouldn't have happened. And we really want to try to stay away from the if-then statements because that can pull us down as well into depression. Um, so what we really are looking for in this second stage is to be able to start having a better awareness of the loss and recognizing the consequences of the loss as well, but understanding that there is more. And the good news about stage two is that although it's long in duration, every day you should gradually feel better. Maybe not day by day, but maybe at least month by month, you'll be able to start gradually feeling better. Um, the third stage is the resolution stage. And this is a duration that will last about three to 12 months after the loss. And during this time, it would be really empowering for somebody to incorporate new habits and to make some positive lifestyle changes. The changes come after or during that stage three of resolution. If we try to make changes, dramatic changes after a loss, there can be some pretty severe consequences because a lot of times in those first two stages of loss or even first stage of loss, there is, um, there's a lot of struggle with our frontal lobe function where we really are having a hard time making good decisions. If we have good friends, sometimes they can help us to make those good decisions and, and help us be able to find those right decisions to make. But then, you know, who wants to really be blamed for that as well, right? <laughs> so just be aware that if there are going to be life altering choices or life altering decisions that are to be made, that it's important that it takes place during that third stage, during that resolution stage, when all of these other processes and all of these other processing um, times have taken place so that that person really is in a good state of mind when they make those decisions and those choices that will change their life. Um, so as we, as we look at um, the different losses, one of the things that I feel are important is to be able to take the time to mourn. I, I'd like to share a story with you about something that had happened just recently in my life where I, I had a really dear friend pass away. And the, the fascinating thing was I, I knew he was sick and I knew he wasn't doing well. He was an older man. And part of this was you know, I was, I just had gotten really close to him, just such a great friend to me. And I loved having him around. I loved his wisdom that he shared with me. And one day when I was visiting him, um, I was just asking him questions and seeing how he was feeling. And he told me, I don't think I'm going to be here very much longer. And at the time I thought, no, you have to be here forever. You're going to have to be here forever because I love having you here. I love talking with you. You're one of my good friends and 
I would miss you too much. So you can't go yet. And in this process, about a week later, um, I found out that he had gotten really, really sick and he passed away within a week after we had had that conversation. And so it really, it took me by surprise, but then I remember that conversation and knew that he wasn't feeling very well and that he knew he was going to pass soon. And as I was going through things, I was just, you know, my thoughts and everything and thinking of how I'm going to make it to his funeral because it was, it was down south of where I lived for a few hours away, quite a few hours away. And I really wanted to make it there. And I was in the middle of all these other things that I was doing in the community, involved in classes and courses and trying to put things together. And so I was really super busy and I kept putting off the morning. I kept putting off the crying and I kept saying, oh, it's okay. You know, it will be really good for me because when I go to the funeral, other people will be crying and I'll be able to finally cry and I'll be able to mourn the passing of my really good friend. And um, so I thought it'll be fine, right? It's fine. I'm, I'm fine. And then what happened was the day of the funeral came and I went to the funeral and I was almost kind of excited because I knew that I haven't taken the time. I hadn't taken the time to grieve yet. The shock and disbelief was still a little bit there. And I still didn't really want to believe that he had gone. And I just wasn't going through these stages of grief very well for myself. And it took me a little bit of time to recognize <laughs> when I got there, I just burst out into tears like I I was crying and then I'm looking around and I felt bad because there weren't as many people crying you know when you go to a funeral and you have a lot of family members around you when it's a family member your whole family can can sit in the family rooms and during those family hours with that person and they can grieve and they can cry and as I was walking through through the line, the funeral line, and I saw his wife, we both burst out into tears. And I was grateful that she, that she could cry with me and I could cry with her over the loss of our friend. And as I, I walked through the line and um, went and sat down for the funeral, everyone else, it seemed like, had grieved for the most part. I mean, there was crying, but not the, not as much as I expected to be able to have for myself. I didn't take the time for myself to grieve. And so I was aching to just cry and aching to just grieve because he was so dear to me. But at the funeral, I felt for myself, I wasn't able to get it out. I wasn't able to cry as much as I needed to cry. And I wasn't able to process what was happening enough for myself. So I was developing the awareness and because I had put it off for so long until that funeral, my developing of awareness was happening during the funeral as well as the, the shock and disbelief. So I was getting hit hard, really hard because I hadn't allowed myself the time to process what was happening. So when I got home, I, I, I kept saying, I'm fine. I'm, I'll be fine. And 
I sometimes go into my bathroom and lock my door when I have my seven children following me around everywhere and I just need some peace and quiet. So for for some reason, a couple days after the funeral, I still had not cried it all out. I still had not grieved enough. And I, my kids were following me around and they were busy and loud. And I'm like, yeah, guys, go play a game out in the front room. I just need a minute. And so I came into my, my bathroom and I locked my door and I was sitting in the bathroom. And I, when I have my anxiety moments, I do my deep breathing that you'll find out as we talk about this. And we talk about how, how important our deep breathing is. I think we already went through that. I was doing deep breathing and I let it out. And then all of a sudden, as I was exhaling this deep breath, the tears started pouring down my face and I started sobbing in my bathroom and I was just crying and crying and crying. And I'm like, man, what is happening? And I just, I realized at that time, wow, here I am sharing with others how to go through these stages of grief. And I didn't even take the time to do it for myself. And I became aware then that I needed that time in the bathroom to just grieve. And one of the things, there was a big important lesson that I was taught during that time. My husband had come home and had seen all the kids playing their game in the living room. And so he's like, where's mom? And he came into the bathroom and he's like, oh, oh, what's wrong? And he, I, I said, I, I can't talk. I can't talk about it. I just need to cry. I just need to cry. And being the wonderful, loving husband he is, he's like, okay, what do you need? What can I help you with? And I thought about it and I said, I just need to be held. I just need a hug. And so he sat in the bathroom while I was bawling and he just held on to me and he gave me the biggest hug and he just held me. I bet we were in there for five to 10 minutes with him just holding me and hugging me as I'm bawling and crying and processing through this. And towards the end of that grief and towards the end of that crying and releasing all of that emotion of sadness that I've been holding up inside of me, I was able to talk to him and I was able to share more intimately my emotions and my feelings towards this person that had passed away, how much I loved him and how much I appreciated his friendship and his his ability to listen to me when I was struggling with things and his ability to help me through some of the trials that I was facing in my life. And as I was able to go through these things with my husband, then I was, I, I came to this resolution. I came to this ability to be able to recognize that he had made my life better. And how grateful I was that he was a part of my journey. And I will always have an incredibly special place in my heart. An incredible, big, lots of big space in my heart for this person because of how he treated me when he was alive. And not only that is that, man, he made my life better 
because of him, I am able to improve myself and improve the way I live my life and improve things that I, I want to be more like that for other people. And so in a lot of ways, he passed this on, right? Pay it forward. And that's what I intend to do. So as I've gone through this process and I was able to develop an own awareness of this loss and recognizing um, what consequences, what that loss brought to me, but what more, uh, more than anything, the things that I gained from that, from him and from that loss and be able to project it out into my future and say, because I knew this person, I want to become better and I'm going to pay it forward as he paid it forward to me. I'm going to try to be that person for other people who are struggling or who have a hard time. And the resolution really is that it creates a new positive lifestyle change in us. When we can take a loss and we can find those beautiful pieces that we had from that loss and we, we take them into our heart and we collect them and we say, thank you. And we recognize the, the effect and the beauty that they brought into our life, into our journey in this life. And then we can take that beauty and project it out forward into our future. That is beautiful. That is how we're able to overcome that loss and be able to expand ourselves at the same time. Loss is an incredible journey. It's an incredible journey. Now, as we continue to talk about loss, I want to go into the tasks of mourning. As I've shared this story with you, there are different ways that we can mourn. And these are the specific tax, tasks that um, Dr. Nedley brings up in his course on overcoming loss. And these tasks include accepting the reality of a loss. When we accept the reality of the loss, your mourning is going to look different. But it's really important that we take that time to mourn. When I heard about his death, I wasn't quite accepting it yet. But as I accepted the reality of the loss, I was able to express that emotion through my tears and through through that hugging, that hugging and just holding, he didn't say anything to me. He just held me. And I think sometimes that is the perfect medicine. That is the perfect thing that people need when they're going through that loss and they're mourning that loss is just to be held, is just to know somebody is there mourning with you. There really is, there really is a beauty to mourning with those that mourn. That's right out of the Bible, right? That's one of the things that we are asked to do as followers of Jesus Christ is to mourn with those that mourn. And now I understand why. Because when I was mourning, all I wanted was for someone to cry with me. And I was aching for those moments where somebody could cry with me or just hold me and let me cry. I don't want them to talk. I didn't want them to speak. I didn't want them to tell me, it's okay, you'll see them again. Or you'll see them in heaven. They're in heaven. They're with God. They're going to be fine. 
no, I don't want that language at that time. Because at that time, the only thing that I need to do is mourn. I am in the acceptance of the reality of the loss. To work through the pain is that mourning process. As you're working through that pain, the words and the language are almost, I maybe I shouldn't say this, but this is how I felt, was that they were more irritating and more frustrating to hear those words than it was for me to just have someone cry with me. I didn't want to hear all of their advice. I didn't want to hear all their words. I already know those things. I know those things already. All I wanted was to work through my pain and to be able to cry it out and to not be judged for it, right? <clears throat> to be in a place where it was safe for me to cry. That's what I wanted. And that's that that second task is to be able to work through the pain of the loss. The third task is to adjust to the environment with the loss. Now, sometimes <clears throat> that means that it's okay to rearrange something. If the loss is really hard, if it is a family member, or if it is someone that's dearly close to you and they live in the same home, adjusting to the environment with the loss, you could rearrange your furniture. You can change things, organize something, write their history, write down stories about them, adjust to that environment with the loss, and then emotionally relocate the loss. Emotionally relocating the loss is actually journaling. You could journal about that person's life, or you can journal about your emotions with the loss. There is something really valuable in that as well. Dr. Nedley shared a story about a person who lost their son and she saw him, she found him um, lying there dead. And when the ambulance came and everyone came to take care of him, he was dead. He passed away. And she was going, he talks about how she walks through these processes. But one of the things that she really struggled with is that she could remember because it was falling into post-traumatic stress for her. This was falling into a P post-traumatic stress disorder syndrome for her because it was her son that she loved dearly that she had found dead. And one of the things that was asked of her to do, Dr. Nedley had asked her to take these things of her memory because she could remember the smells, she could remember what she saw, everything she heard, everything was heightened because it was stressful. So he told her to go and write these things down as if she was the journalist and write it down like she was a journalist, every detail, everything about the moment. And what that did was it took that information out of that post-traumatic stressed area of her brain and it placed it into a memory that was different. She was able to relocate emotionally and physically in her brain what had happened during that time. And so it took it out and she, she was able to release that post-traumatic stress because she was writing every little detail down. And that's very therapeutic. A lot of people will tell you that. Journal it out. Journal it out. There is a reason for that. Because when you journal things out, 
your brain says, okay, all of the details are there. All of the information is written down now, and now I don't have to remember it all. And it releases that from your, from being able to, or happening, I guess, to remember all of those things in such small little detail to the point where it becomes post-traumatic stress disorder. So one of the invitations is as people are going through these processes to be able to always remember that person if they're afraid to forget that person or that they will forget that person to write those things down, journal everything out, emotionally relocate that loss in your mind and with your emotion, find ways to express that. And the biggest way to do that is through um, memories, right? writing down memories. I know one family who had a memory book right there for, for the person who had passed away. It was a father and a, and a husband. And they wrote down tons of different memories. And they kept that book for, for five years. And they wrote in that book. So anytime they had a memory pop up of this person that they had this loss for, Anytime they had a memory pop up for him that wasn't written in the book already, they would go and grab the book and they would write that memory. What a wonderful thing to do. That is healing. That is a positive way of healing. And um, all of these memories were kept in this book. And so when they felt that loss, they could go back and they could read through those things. Bringing up those memories is one of the healthiest ways that you can overcome this loss is to always remember them and, and to be able to write a book like that would really help the family as a whole be able to remember that person so they, they don't forget that person. So emotionally relocate the loss and then to grow from the loss. What are we going to, what's the takeaway from the loss? Just as my best friend, one of my best friends had passed away, the thing that I took away from it, how I decided to grow from that loss is to pay it forward, is to be the kind of person he was for other people. So we can grow from that loss and not dwell on the loss. Um, and then we accept the reality of the loss. I've accepted the reality of my friend's loss and... I'm, I'm just grateful, so grateful for that journey. And I will always remember him for that. So a couple of other things that I would like to share about these, um, these tasks is that as we, as we look at all of these, um, accepting the reality of the loss, I'm, I just want to run through those really quickly one more time to make sure I hit on them very good or more in depth because all of these different areas of mourning are part of the the stages of grief right during the the tasks of mourning that's during the development or developing awareness of the stages of grief and we really want to be able to express and we want to be able to um to release a lot of those different emotions because that is the healing process as we release those things. Um, so one of the other things that I would like to share with you about this is as we, uh, well, as we go through these, I know I'm, 
I'm back on the tasks of mourning. Accepting the reality of the loss, the biggest thing that we can accept the reality or how we can accept the reality is to communicate about it um, and to have that mourning ritual, okay, as a review. And then task two, working through that pain, do not avoid the pain. These are the things that I did that I was just trying to put it off. Don't avoid the pain. Be honest about how you feel and write about the loss. Take care of yourself. Make sure you're getting enough sleep and that you have your exercise and a balanced diet because that's all going to be able to help you get through the pain of the loss. And then maintaining social ties and spiritual ties is also very important. Um, as we continue, we, we need that social tie. We want to have that support from other people. And then maintaining that spiritual tie with our Heavenly Father and praying to Him. Even if it is in anger, He hears us and He will comfort us even in our anger. Then number task number three is to adjust to the environment with the, with the loss. Don't make these big, huge, dramatic, life-changing decisions. Identify the roles that the lost person or thing played in your life and then find out how these functions can best meet you now. What did they do that can help you? To emotionally relocate the loss is task four. And it doesn't mean that the loss is forgotten. Reminiscing is good and it can help. Build on current and new relationships. Get people around you. Build on those relationships and develop new routines. And find new interests and continue old interests. Um, and continue on with your life. So task number five is to grow from the loss. Don't settle for just surviving. Honor that lost person by growing from the pain and reflect on what you've learned and gained from that loss or from that person and allow your life to become more meaningful. What ways are you growing from the loss and what are ways that you um, can help others by growing from that loss? And then task number six, again, is accept the reality of the loss. If we don't accept the reality of the loss, feelings of worthlessness can come in. We can have impaired functioning and prolonged bereavement. So recognizing, um, recognizing that your life has not ended and that you can do more with your life is really powerful and empowering. And take comfort because loss was never meant to be a loss. I love Dr. Nedley when he talks about loss is a complication in a world of sin. Sin is loss, right? Sin will pass away, but God will never pass away. And so loss is a complication in a world of sin. And once we overcome the world and we can overcome the world in Christ, we are able to overcome that sin as well. So that really, and the other thing that he shares that I absolutely love is that the other side of loss is love. Um, one other thing that I'd like to share in this section is that there is a book that is called Please Be Patient, I'm Grieving by Gary Rowe. His name is spelled G-A-R-Y-R-O-E. Please be patient, I'm grieving. So as, as you um, have losses in your life or as you know people who have losses, in preparatory to those losses, it would be a great invitation for you to be able to read that book. Please be patient. I'm grieving. 
that is another great resource for overcoming loss. Now, I know I talked more about death than I talked about other losses, but the ideas are all the same. And sometimes we have shock and disbelief. If we were to lose a limb, we have to develop an awareness of the loss of the limb, and then there has to be a resolution for that loss of limb. The mourning, the tasks of mourning are all the same. We accept the reality, we work through the pain, we adjust the environment with the loss, we emotionally relocate the loss, we grow from the loss, and then we accept the reality of it. And by doing those things, we become more mentally stable and we have a better and higher mental health and a higher EQ, a higher emotional intelligence and understanding of what loss is so that we can support others through their losses as well. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Check out that book. And as my invitation to you, understand these, these um, stages of grief and understand the tasks of mourning so that you are in a position to be a support to others and yourself as you go through grieving in this life. Thank you.